So before I get started, we have, uh, I just uh, met a group from New York who do Love Life Work in New York. Um, we're going to get your names and we're going to pray for you. Um, so I don't mean to put you all on the spot right now, but when I heard that, um, my heart leaped a little bit because I know the type of work that is. So let's continue to pray for Love Life and everybody that does that work, especially in this environment. You know what I mean? Let's keep them in prayer that God will continue to do a good work through them and that he will protect them as well. Yes. Amen, because that's, that's the type of work we need to do and support. Um, and so we'll definitely continue to keep them in prayer. Uh, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter five is our text, verses 12 through 16 is the verses of Luke chapter five. So Luke five. Chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 12. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he will withdraw to a desolate to desolate places and pray. Father, would you help us? Read your word to be encouraged. God, that you would stir in our hearts a heart of worship, a heart to be more like you. In a world that's constantly bombarding us to be conformed to it, God, would you turn our gaze to you to be conformed to you? When temptation comes our way. God, would you lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God, conform us to your image today. May your word be preached faithfully. May we faithfully hear it and apply it. God, may we align our lives, our wills, our emotions, our, our thoughts. God, everything in us, God, I pray that we will strive to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength today. Help me, Lord God, to be faithful, to be focused on you today, on your glories, that your people would find satisfaction in glorifying you. God, we ask all this, and we thank you that you have been good. Be good today. Show yourself to be good today to your people. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Is it possible to be desperate for the right things the wrong way? Can we want what is right the wrong way? Can our desire to want good things be incomplete? You can want the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. So that's my message for today. Let's pray. No, I'm joking. 
<laughs> Those are difficult questions, right? The questions are asked so that we can look more into why we want the things we want and ask for. Let's take healing as an example. What if God provided healing for someone who was sick? But then the following question would be, what should they do with the miracle that God has done? Where should the healed go with what God has done? Is healing then the ultimate display of God's work? I believe, according to what I read in my Bible, that there is much, much more. And it would be good to remember this when asking God in petition and in prayer. When God works in our favor, there is much more than receiving the benefit of the request. In fact, we should question what is actually the benefit. God is not just about giving you what you want. God is about giving you what you need. And when he gives you what you ask for, what should you do with what God has given you? This actually leads to the question of, what do you need most here today? What do I need most? The answer is God. Revelation. And if there's a hindrance in our relationship with God and a hindrance in our fellowship with others, then no matter what is going on, our greatest need is to remove that hindrance by prioritizing worship of God and relationship with God. In our text today, leprosy was the hindrance. God is a God who is good at removing hindrances. And he does desire to remove any hindrance when it comes to our worship of him. God is about his glory. When God does what he does, he does it for his namesake. And for his namesake, he does that for our benefit. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Leprosy was the hindrance in our text, and we see what God does about it. And we see the reason for it. It really begs the question, what is hindering us from praying and worshiping God here today? That should be your greatest concern here today and your need. Your greatest need as a believer in Jesus Christ. God desires that we worship him. This is what God wants. Not because God is lacking, but because this is what God wills. Which is to your benefit. And his will should always be your greatest preoccupation. Have we found ourselves preoccupied with other, other competing passions? Has our request been tainted with ulterior motives that have nothing to do with the glory of the Lord? Our worship of God must be what drives everything else. For the leper, this is what Jesus was offering for him. Not only would the leper be healed, the restoration of his worship should have taken place. But something happened that exposed an error that we can easily make ourselves. Jesus was not caught up in the fame and the crowds that came to see him as a result of the reports telling others of what he had done here. What Jesus wanted more than anything, more than the crowds, more than the public fame that came with his ministry, Jesus wanted time with his father. J.C. Rouse says the cause of Christ does not need less working. 
but it does need among the workers more praying. So let us be careful to observe in our text a mistake made here today where zeal about a miracle took over the need to have worship restored. Prayer in time with God must always precede public ministry. Jesus gives a good example of this in our text. We see in our text today different desires at work, which is our outline for today. Number one, the will to be healed found in verse 12. The will to be healed. Verse 12, number two, the will to heal. Verses 13 through 14, the will to heal. 13 and 14, and last, the will to pray. The will to pray, verses 15 through 16. Point number one, the will to be healed. So I'm discipling some some brothers, and um, one of the things I'm teaching them is that when you're reading a synoptic gospel, always compare Matthew, Mark, and Luke together because they have similar accounts. So when you read one account, make sure to see if it's in, you know, like we're in Luke. So I'm constantly looking at Matthew and Mark because they record similar accounts and you get more insight as to what actually happened. So this same event is found in all three synoptic gospels if you, for you note takers, Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, and Mark 1, 40 through 45. Matthew 8 and Mark 1 have the same account. One of the cities here most likely had to be one of the cities in Galilee. Jesus previously had first called his disciples who were fishing in the Sea of Galilee. In some texts, it's the Sea of Gennesaret. Mark 139, right before the leper came to Jesus, Jesus was in Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So most likely we're talking about one of the cities in Galilee. Jesus had already done public ministry here. He was preaching and healing in the city. It may have been that many there didn't hear about what Jesus had done. But it seems that the leper knew, which caused him to fall on his face and beg Jesus for healing. Mark 1.40 says that he implored him, which means that the leper earnestly requested that Jesus would heal him. He was desperate. He was begging. He was pleading to be healed from his leprosy. Now, leprosy is a broad generic term, which meant an infectious skin disease. Now, we don't know the exact type of skin disease he had, but for the Hebrews, it was a serious issue so much that it rendered a person as being ceremonially unclean if they had a skin disease, which meant that they were unfit to worship God. Leviticus chapter 13. And then if anyone came into contact with the leper, if you touched them or were around them, you were considered unclean as well which is why lepers were isolated from the rest of the community. They isolated themselves because the members of the covenant people of God needed to maintain ceremonial, uh, how would you say, access to give sacrifices. But if they were around a leper, they weren't to be amongst God's people, which meant they couldn't go to the temple and do sacrifices. So God took this very seriously. We need to observe what the leper is asking here in our text. When the leper saw Jesus, it says, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, 
you can make me clean. So what is the leper asking for here in our text? Um, well, th this question is important because in all four Gospels, I notice that the word clean is only applied to the leper when it is used for a request for healing. You don't find another situation where someone's sick and asks to be clean, to be ceremonial, uh, to have ceremonial access. This is the only time in the Gospels where this takes place. It speaks of cleansing from ritual contamination or impurity. It may be that the leper is asking to be ceremonially cleaned by healing his leprosy. Another part of a, a person is restored when they're asking for something like this, when they're asking to be clean, and that is not only access to worship, but access to the, the people of God. It would restore the person's fellowship to community because a leper would be shunned from community. So at first glance, this could look like the rest. The request is isolated, just to physical healing. But in the next couple of verses, it does seem that the leper wanted to be free from the consequences of this disease, which is not the same as wanting to be restored ceremonially. So what were the consequences to a leper? Number one, the leper will be put in isolation for seven days. And then it would be followed by an additional seven days if he didn't change. If there has been no change to the infection after 14 days, if there has been change, the person would be considered clean. If there has been no change, the person is considered unclean until the infection disappears. But if it doesn't disappear, they were permanently, indefinitely shunned. In Leviticus 13, there are 11 instances of pronouncements by the priest of the leper being declared either clean or unclean. If a diseased person is found unclean, then they must live alone outside the camp. And then it was required by law that they would tear their clothes to show that they were unclean and to be avoided. Not only that, they were also called by law to dishevel their hair cover their upper lip, and constantly cry out that they were unclean in public. The leopard had to wait to be considered clean by the priest. Once they were considered clean by the priest, the priest will wash their clothes, shave their hair, and declare them ritually clean and able to be amongst God's people. And then they would offer an, uh, a lamb as an offering. If they couldn't afford that, they will offer birds as substitutes. Flour and oil were also required by the law as a sacrifice. That being the case, can you imagine how this leper looked like? He looked crazy. Can you imagine his hair all messed up? He's the crazy guy outside uh, crying out that he's unclean. His clothes torn up. He doesn't look good. He doesn't smell good. He's to be avoided. Living outside the camp, covering his upper lip, crying out constantly, unclean, unclean. So when people passed by him, he had to say, unclean. I'm unclean, unable to give sacrifice, unable to worship God, unable to fellowship. This leper who was doing this came to Jesus, imploring him to be healed. 
He was begging to be clean. He was not just wanting recovery from his disease, but also from what the word clean meant. He wanted relief from its consequences that affected fellowship and worship. The fact that this word was never used for another healing in the gospel account shows us the uniqueness of this request. He was asking to be relieved from the burden of the disease. Namely, living alone outside in the camp, wearing torn clothes, disheveled hair, covering his upper lip and crying out to others that he was unclean. Do you see where his imploring came from? Do you see why he was begging? He implored Jesus to heal him. No one would touch him because if anyone did, they would be considered unclean. Leviticus 5.3. According to the law, the leper had to wait to see if the disease would run its course. But here, the leper could wait no longer. He said, Lord, if you will, make me clean. He's asking this maybe because he heard of what Jesus did to others. He knew that Jesus had the power to heal him. But he asked in a way of not presuming that he would. But if he willed it, Jesus could have made this leper clean because he heard what Jesus did. But this is also a good example here of what many in the word of faith camp got wrong. They say God has to make you healed. And if you don't get healed, you're the problem for not having enough faith. They would have told this leper, I thought God desires to heal every sickness and every disease from everyone. No, he said, if you will make me clean. The leopard considered the will of Jesus. And it doesn't mean that he was doubting. On the contrary, he called him Lord out of respect. He implored and begged Jesus to heal him. It's disrespectful to tell God he has to do something. God ain't got to do nothing for you. Who are you? God is sovereign sitting on the throne. And he'll keep you sick for 60 years for his glory. The blind man in John lived his whole life blind so that one day Jesus would appear and heal him. You're better with God sick than without him whole. Don't get me started, man, because this stuff fires me up. Don't assume that God will do anything. Only assume that God will get glory. He will get his glory. He will allow trouble and things in your life to take place, and he won't remove them because he'll get greater glory over it. The leper considered the will of Jesus, and it doesn't mean he was doubting. The word of faith teaching that God wants and will heal everyone's disease promotes a self-entitled view of oneself. God has to heal is what they teach. But the leper considered Jesus to be Lord, meaning that Jesus is worthy of respect and that his will is far more important than what is desired. Lord, if you will, you will make me clean. What will be his response to this request? It's our second point, the will to heal in verses 13 through 14. Verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand, listen, and touched him, 
saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. This is our second point, the will to heal. Remember that no one would touch the leper. Because if anyone did, they will be considered unclean according to Leviticus 5.3. In Leviticus 5.3, if someone unknowingly touched someone or something unclean, that would make the person unclean, unable to worship. When they realized what they had done, it was commanded that they must admit their guilt according to the law. But we know Jesus was without sin. He knowingly touched the leper who was unclean. What's interesting is that with the word, Jesus could have healed him. You remember some of the passages we went through before where with the word, he rebuked diseases and demons. But he went out of his way to touch someone who shouldn't have been touched. Why did Jesus touch him? This is like very deep right now, the answer. Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to, and he could. The scriptures teach us we find no guilt in Christ because he was sinless. Who could touch him and not be unclean? Who could touch him and heal him? Who could touch him and remain without guilt? Our Lord Jesus Christ. This shows Jesus to be greater, greater than anyone. And unable to be guilty of sin. It also shows the great compassion of Jesus. That one could never be too unclean for Jesus to touch. Or not to touch. Like, it don't matter where you came from, y'all. It don't matter what your past is. It don't matter what your record is. You're never too unclean for him to touch you. He will change you. He will radically make you a new person, no matter your background. No matter your present criminal record before God. He can do away with anything, touch you, and make you clean. He did it here. No disease or sin can make it so unclean that Jesus would not touch and heal. Jesus is showing his power to heal and his compassion to restore one to worship. The leopard asked to be healed from his disease, but also if he was healed... He will be ceremonially clean, and Jesus willed it to be so, which meant that Jesus wanted the leper to no longer be put in isolation. Jesus didn't want the leper to be alone. Jesus didn't want the leper to wear clothing anymore that spoke of him being unclean. Jesus didn't want his hair to be jacked up. Jesus didn't want the leper to continue to cry out, unclean unclean to the public. Jesus willed it for the leper, not only to be healed from sickness, but also that Jesus would restore him to fellowship with God. Many have overlooked the significance of what this meant in our passage. The significance is that Jesus declared the leper clean, which meant that restoration was not only physical, but also social and ceremonial. So the concern Jesus had went beyond physical. Being made clean meant that the leper would be able to worship again. 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean, be healed from leprosy, be restored to fellowship. Stop being an outcast. Stop telling people that you're unclean. Be clean, he says. Be clean. Why is Jesus doing this? What is the overall reason for this? If you remember in Luke 4, when he opened up the scroll, where he said in Luke 4, 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God is being favorable here. He is good to those who are unclean and unfit for fellowship according to society. He's doing this in our text to show that he is the Messiah promised and that God cares for those who are outcasts. Man, this really begs the question, has my life spoken of Jesus as the Messiah, as favorable? Is that the gospel I preach with my life? Does my life speak of God desiring to see people clean by the gospel, sharing how he has made us clean? See, Jesus willed for the leper to be clean, and he wanted the leper to keep this to himself. It's a pattern throughout the synoptic gospels. When Jesus would do a miracle or something supernatural happened, you will see a pattern in the Bible where Jesus says, hey, don't tell anybody about this. He told uh, his disciples in Matthew 17, 9, uh, and as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one division until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. In Mark 7, when Jesus was, uh, when he healed the deaf man, he told him in verse 36 of Mark 7 to tell no one. What was the reason for Jesus telling people not to say anything? Well, it wasn't time yet for Jesus to be publicly pronounced as the Christ. Matthew 16, 20, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is a pattern in the synoptic gospels. There was a time and place for Jesus to be revealed publicly as Christ, but it was to be done when God wanted it to. Here, the leper focused too much on demonstrating what happened publicly. Jesus told him in verse 14 of our text, he charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. Mark's account says that Jesus sternly charged him to say nothing about what he had done for him. So what would the leper do? He made the mistake of confusing the celebration of deliverance with the need to worship. He made the mistake of confusing celebration of deliverance with the need to worship. What the leper would do after is telling of how bad he had it socially, but also it shows you how immature he was. Again, if you go to Mark 1, 43 through 45, it's the same event. In verse 43 of Mark 1, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing while Moses commanded for a proof to them. Verse 45 tells us what the leper did. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. 
and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. The leper going out and talking fully about it, spreading the news about what Jesus had done, was done, even when sternly charged not to do it. What was the leper supposed to do? He was supposed to go show himself that he was clean, as Moses commanded. This had me question this, this person who was healed. Was the leper truly about restoring worship or just about physical healing and social restoration? Did he make the mistake of confusing the celebration of deliverance with the need to worship? The reaction given to us in the gospel, Mark tells us. Mark 1, 44 through 45. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests. For you're cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely. Worship doesn't seem to be a priority here. Instead, he did what Jesus told him not to do. He saw only his deliverance from sickness and not his need to be restored ceremonially. Remember, the leper was in isolation, alone outside the camp, wearing torn clothes that showed that he was unclean and to be avoided, with disheveled hair, covering his upper lip, crying out, unclean, unclean to the public. And now, here is Jesus who made him clean, sternly charging him to tell no one. The leper could be restored ceremonially. However, he didn't do what was required for that to take place. Is it possible to be desperate for the right things the wrong way? Can we want what is right the wrong way? Can our desire to want good things be incomplete? The answer, according to his mistake, is yes. The leper didn't do what Jesus told him to do. Jesus told him to go and show himself to the priests. Jesus told him to make an offering for his cleansing as required and commanded by Moses. Jesus willed for the leper not just to be healed from leprosy, but also to be clean. Which is why he told the leper to go to the priest for proof. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely about what Jesus said after being sternly charged not to share. Where should the heel go with what God has done? In fact, when God does something for you, where should you go? In our text today, the leper should have gone to the priest, not only to restore him socially, but ceremonially. The news spread so much that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, which is why he would go to a desolate place. People were coming to him from every quarter, it says, but the priority to pray would take Jesus away from the crowds. In a way, Jesus is, through an object lesson of his own life, showing not only the leper, but the people what's priority. Priority isn't public fame or a good reputation with the crowds. Priority is being in the quiet place with God. This could have happened for the leper if he had just shown himself to the priests. They would have declared him clean, washed his clothes, 
get him all souped up, and then restore to fellowship with God and his people. But he didn't do that. He went to the crowds, told them what Jesus did. And here's all these people coming from every quarter to Christ. Jesus could have easily said, yes, this ministry is working. This ministry is popping, man. I got hundreds of people coming. Revival's happening. I always get that question, like, what, what do you pastor? Uh, Christ Alone Fellowship in the city. The next question is always, it bugs me out. How many people go to your church? If I say 20, they're like, oh, that's nice. You know, <laughs> a little church, you know what I mean? That's cool. You know, we'll, we'll pray for you. But when I say, yo, we've been, we've been averaging 100 people a service, they're like, oh, so what are you doing? What are you doing to make that happen? Who goes to your church? Man, we got all sorts of colors in our church. How, what are you doing to do that? <laughs> Just like, bro. Like, like, get out of my face with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously. Pragmatism is killing the church. Pragmatism is killing the church. Pragmatism is killing the church. This isn't a formula. Me and Wayne, we didn't say, hey, you know, we're going to do this to get this people to get that and all that. We didn't do any of that. Our core group, when we got together, we just wanted to see Jesus glorified in our city. That's it. And Jesus brought us this. You're a byproduct of grace. So when crowds come, it's not for us to, no, it's us to thank the Lord. And actually it pushes us to be more in places where we need to be with God. Because we can be very busy. Busy can kill a church. We need to prioritize worship and prayer. This leper went out and bragged. He should have gone to the priest to go to the temple of God to worship. Jesus here is not about the, the crowds. Even though he has compassion for them and he is moved, he prioritized. He prioritized prayer over crowds. Crowds that gathered to hear him and wanting something from him because they were sick. But the will to pray for Jesus was his great preoccupation. It's our last point, the will to pray in verses 15 through 16. But now, even more, in verse 15, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Mark 1.45, the leper after Jesus healed him went out and began to talk freely about what Jesus had done. He began to spread the news, the report, as our text says, and he did it in disobedience. The leper who was healed could not see past his deliverance. Deliverance is not all there is. He missed the fact that his worship, his worship of God was to take priority. As a result, great crowds gathered to hear Jesus and they came to him for healing, so many that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. So many were coming to him from every quarter. Responding to this, Jesus decided 
to go to desolate places. The leper was supposed to go and tell no one. He was supposed to go and show himself to the priest. He was to make an offering for cleansing as Moses commanded and prove to them that he was to be restored for worship. But instead, he went out and reported to everyone what Jesus had done. Again, was his request to be ceremonially clean, authentic? Was he desperate for the right thing, yet in the wrong way? Did worship matter more than his need to be physically healed and restored? His healing meant he could again offer sacrifices and prayers to the temple. He could go and thank God for being made clean, but instead he did what Jesus sternly told him not to do. What should have been his priority after God had worked and showed favor? He should have gone to the priests. He should have offered sacrifices and proved to them that he was made clean. See, Jesus wanted the leper to go and show himself to those who could restore his worship. But the leper went to the crowds instead. Another observation of the text is that Jesus honored the ceremonial law of Moses required by telling the leper to be examined. His concern for the leper was proper restoration of worship of God and fellowship with God's people. Jesus himself would not make this mistake. Jesus the healer, Jesus who the crowds were looking for, what Jesus would do is prioritize prayer for himself. And he prioritized Worshiped for the leper who was healed. You see, Jesus removed the hindrance for the sake of worship here. Is that our concern for each other here today? When was the last time it burdened you that an issue hindered someone's relationship with God? Has it grieved you to see people who looked and felt so unclean that they could not see their need for restoration and fellowship with God? You see, Jesus saw this and told the leper what to do, but he did not do what was asked. He made public what Jesus meant to be private, the opposite of what many in the visible church do today. Man, we're all about advertising. Maybe if we get our name in the paper, more people will come. <clears throat> today, many believe that God will get more glory in public by supernatural events, but that was not the preoccupation of Jesus here in our text. He willed more than anything to pray, to be with God, to worship God. Verse 16, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He didn't pursue the crowds. He didn't pursue attention. He pursued prayer. I ain't going to, listen, I know I'm, I'm preaching here, but I'm preaching to myself too. I don't have a perfect prayer life. Ask my wife. She's real good at putting me on blast. <laughs> she will tell y'all, he struggles. I'm just like you. Sometimes my life is busy. I don't take time to sit down and pray. I'm a Christian. That means I'm a follower of Christ. But also, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be talking to Christ. Supposed to be remembering that this is a relationship. This, is, this, this isn't an ideology or a world religion. This isn't about apologetics. 
This is a relationship that drives me to defend the faith, that drives me to do ministry. That dri what drives you, really, is it time with God? Is what you do an extension of intimacy with God? Do you love him and then do what he asks you to do out of obedience because he loves you and you love him? Or is it just obligation and rules? Jesus would not make this mistake. He went to desolate places to pray. Today, many believe that God will get more glory in public for all these other things. But Jesus willed more than anything to pray, to be with God. Rao also continued to say that the cause of Christ does not need less working, but it does need among the workers more praying. Let us each examine ourselves and amend our ways. The most successful workmen in the Lord's vineyard are those who are like their master, often and much upon their knees. Ouch. This is what the leper should have done himself, which he could have done since Jesus healed him. The leper was caught up in the miracle of his physical healing, so much that he could not see past the miracle, where he could have been accepted into communion with God. Jesus did not make this mistake. He went to desolate places and prayed because being with God is more important than being with anybody else. Prayer, communion with God, should always precede ministry. The cause of Christ does not need less working, but it does need, among the workers, more praying. This is the example Jesus sets for us. Jesus, instead of running with crowds and the attention that came with it, he prayed in solitude. Jesus sought prayer with the Father and not the glory that he could have gotten from man. And so we who are doing the work here today, saints, let us not make the same mistake that the leper did. Let us do what Jesus, through example, did. Pray. The most successful workmen in the Lord's vineyard are those who are like their master, often and much upon their knees. We should be praying. Now I can say this because I'm from this camp. But in the reform camp, we're very good at theology. We do a poor job at our doxology. We're very heady with it. We love doctrine. But our affections are lacking. Systematic theology in the fall, no doubt. We're doing that. But if there's no desire for the Lord, for holiness, for obedience. If, if you don't have it enough in you to say no to pornography, to say no to someone who's pulling at you for an inappropriate relationship, where you say, I can't do this because I'm with God. If you can't do that and are not doing that, you're wasting your time. If it's not a battle, like some, I'm telling you, I know some of y'all trip, slip, and bust your lip and sin. I know you do that sometimes. Like, you get into sin, but then there's repentance, and then there's this need for God to restore you. God is okay with that. 
What he's not okay with is you out in the world acting like everything's good and then you come to church acting religious on Sunday. God is not good with that. He wants repentance. He wants confession of sin. He wants a life of holiness. And when you fall short, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. But you know what? You can't have that. You can't have it both ways. You can't serve two masters. Are you with God? Are you clinging to Christ? Are you wanting Jesus? Are you worshiping him? Are you praying? Are you desiring him? Is your affection stirred for him? Then it's going to be harder for you to sin. And when you do, you're broken about it. You'll go back to God and say, God, forgive me. Help me. Help me to say no. Thankfully, we have the Lord Jesus taking time to pray. We need to do the same. If we know him, we will love him. And if we love him, we will pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you will be with us. Be glorified today, Lord. May we prioritize our worship of you over the busyness and everything else in our lives. Thank you for restoring our worship through the sacrifice you made of your own body and blood. We ask that we will be thankful, worshipful, prayerful.